is a Woodside Church podcast. Thank you, Hudson. It's great to be with you all again here. Um, it's a very important subject because it's Hudson that gave it me, okay? <laughs> so um, he asked me to speak on this particular theme because we finished our series on going through the wilderness. You enjoyed being in the wilderness? <laughs> okay, it's a lot of our experience, isn't it? And we've finished going through that theme, and so we've got, uh, and then Tim sharing next week um, what is on his heart as he uh, takes this step into, um, it's not really, he'll have a bit of a break, okay? But if my experience is anything to go by, retirement doesn't, for, for church pastors, doesn't mean you go do nothing, okay? Um, I'm as busy as I ever was. So, um, and so he's asked me to speak on the theme of what is the church of Jesus Christ, okay? Because actually there's lots of ideas around that means you might say well it's pretty obvious okay now if you walked out into the streets around here and you said to people around the word somehow a conversation about the word church what would most of them think come on I'm, this is a participating sermon okay a building yes what else would they think, perhaps? Religion. Religion, yes. Okay. Yeah, what are you doing that for on a Sunday, yes? Pardon? Happy clappy. If, they, if they've heard of that sort of church, yes. Uh, which is more in the news now, yes? Candles and things, yes. Crosses. Well done. Bibles. Okay. Okay. Now, or it may be an organization, like a denomination or something like that, or the Church of England or the Roman Catholic Church and so on. Or even some of them may have heard of strange groups like us. But they would think of, uh, of that sort of thing. And even if I say the word church to many Christians today, well, well it's somewhere I need to go because I'm a Christian, I need to belong. Sometimes be a bit boring, but you know, uh, and we use the term go to church, don't we? How many of you said this morning, I'm going to church this morning. Or, yeah? So I'm not asking you to put your hands up for that one. Okay? Which actually is an expression the Bible never uses for, work, for reasons that I'll explain later. So what is the church? Well, what's it meant in the New Testament? Well, the... Forgive me uh, giving you this a little bit, but you okay? I'm all right, am I? Okay. 
but the New Testament was originally written in the Greek language and every other language tries to find a way of expressing it and indeed it's very rich seeing the way the different languages translate. One of my privileges as traveling around the world is that some of the things, some of the words that are used will have very, very slightly different meanings, but together enrich us actually. The way the languages, that's what languages do. And, uh, but the Greek language what it was written in, so the inspired scripture was actually written in Greek in the New Testament and Hebrew and a little bit of Aramaic in the Old. So the Greek word meant is ecclesia, which simply meant an assembly so that all Greek cities and, uh, would have the assembly of citizens where they would decide what was happening because ancient classical Greek was a uh, democratic institution. And so they would all have this, they would come together in order to make decisions and so on. And in the Greek, now forgive me, you're all right with this, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, which was written before Jesus came and was actually the Bible the New Testament church would have generally used because most of them wouldn't have known Hebrew. It, it actually was the word used for when the people came together at the bottom of Mount Sinai. Do you remember that when we looked at it and in the series on the wilderness? And they were actually formed into the people of God. The Mount Sinai experience was like the birth of the nation of Israel. Yes, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob had been there a long time, many years before. The, people, the Jewish people had been in, the, um, in Egypt for 400 odd years. But they came out as a nation, as a people, and they were called Ecclesia, or what we translate as church. But it means assembly, called out people. So that's what the word actually means, which is important. It's got nothing to do with buildings. It's got nothing to do with institutions. It's a called people who come together for purpose. And so, I'm going to now read three scriptures which actually talk about this. The first one comes from Matthew's Gospel and chapter 16. Now it says, whenever I'm preaching on a, a scripture, as those who know me well will know, I like to give the background to it. Because otherwise we just take verses out of their context sometimes. And uh, Jesus and his disciples had gone to a place called Caesarea Philippi, which was named after the Roman emperor. Caesarea Philippi, which was um, part of the land of Israel, right at the edge of it. Um, and it's a very impressive place. Stilla and I went to Caesarea Philippi uh, in 2019 amongst when we toured all around the land of Israel. And if you go to Caesarea Philippi, there's this massive, massive cliff, this massive rock. 
And water flows out of this massive rock, still does today. It was also a place where many religions were represented. It wasn't a Jewish town. You had emperor worship, and you had lots of other gods worshipped as well. And so, Jesus and his disciples went there. And it's important to know that. That's where it was. And Jesus said to them, who do people say that I am? What's the gossip out there about me? And they said, well, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then we read in the scripture what was said. So it says this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist. In other words, because John the Baptist had been executed by then, and uh, some thought he'd come back in the person of Jesus. Some say Elijah, who was the great prophet of the Old Testament. And others say Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Messiah and Christ are the same word. Messiah is the Hebrew word, Christ is the Greek word. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you, you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Amen? Okay, that's the first scripture. Second scripture. After Jesus had gone back into heaven, after he'd risen from the dead, the, the, the followers of Jesus were all waiting in Jerusalem for the power of God to come upon them. And then the power of God came and they spoke in other languages. They... Um, experienced God's presence in wonderful ways. It became public. People could see them. And then Peter stood up to preach. And when he preached, so many people, because all the people, all the people had gathered, or Jewish people from all over the Roman Empire had gathered for the day of Pentecost, which was a Jewish feast. They all came back to Jerusalem for that. And it says... Those who believed what Peter had said were baptized and added to the church that day or to their number that day. About 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. 
They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Okay, that's the second scripture about the church. Then I'm going to do one final scripture. This is from the Paul's letter to the Ephesians in chapter 2. Basically, the book of Ephesians, which is a letter to the church in Ephesus and also all the churches in that region, actually, if you look into it carefully. And Paul had taught those people what he called the great plan of God. He says that in the book of Acts. And then when he wrote to Ephesus, he gave a summary of the great plan of God. All he taught them, he gave them this summary, which we call the letter to the Ephesians. And in it, he summarized the church as God's people. Because he's dealing with the whole plan of God, how he saves us, and so on. And then how we're to live in the second part of it. And the whole plan of God was to join all the nations in Christ. That's what it says in Ephesians. And then he says, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, So now, you Gentiles, that's all the nations, it's the word ethne, ethnic, it's all the nations of the world, are no longer strangers and foreigners. In other words, the Jews previously regarded all the other nations as strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house. Not the building. We are his house. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. We are becoming the temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of the dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Okay. So that's three scriptures about what we call in English church. Okay. In Matthew 16, Jesus is speaking about the future. He hasn't, the church hasn't been formed yet. And so Jesus is speaking about the future. And he says, I will build my church. He is committed to doing so. What does that teach us? What it teaches is it's his church, not ours. Okay? Sometimes when you hear these great mega churches, they often talked about as Pastor So and so's church. Nah. They're not. Jesus said to the sorry, Paul said to the leaders in Ephesus, 
take care of the flock or church, that's not a word, church of God, of which the Holy Spirit made you overseers. He bought that church with his precious blood. It doesn't belong to leaders. And they, now we, we use loose, loose language. Sometimes we want to identify things. You say, well, my church is such and such. Yes, okay. It's better to say, the church I go to, I'm part of, I belong to. In fact, not go to, actually. That was David Devonish introducing a tiny little bit of heresy in that, so it'll catch you out. But the church I belong to is whatever it is. It's his church. I will build my church. It's not ours, not the Pope's, though the current Pope is a wonderful gospel man who experiences all the gifts of the Spirit like we do here. It's not the Archbishop's. The church belongs to him. And he does the building. He works in people's hearts to join them to a new company of people. The renewed Israel, the people of God. As I said, the word ecclesia in the Greek Old Testament referred to the nation of Israel. Now, it is the renewed Israel that is composed of every nation who believe in Jesus. It was built upon the confession of Peter. Jesus looked up at that great rock. Massive rock in Caesarea Philippi. Told Peter he was like a small rock. And his confession was confessing Jesus as Lord, Saviour and Messiah doesn't mean it's built on Peter. Though Peter was a rock, just like we are all living stones. Peter was, however, involved in the foundation of the church. He preached to the Jews on the day of Pentecost, let them in. And he was the first one to preach to the other nations, the Gentiles, and a man called Cornelius, a Roman's house, and brought the Gentiles into the church. So in that sense, he was a foundation to the church. But the rock is Jesus Christ, and here, Peter's confession of Jesus Christ. Okay. Now, this reference is to what we call the universal church. This is not, in Matthew 16, he's not talking about one local church like us. We'll come on to that later. He's talking about the church. I will build my church everywhere. Now, the way, and so the, 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 word, the, way church, the word church is used in the Bible is firstly to describe Every believer in every nation in every period of time. So from the day of Pentecost to the day Jesus returns, 
everyone who believes in Jesus in the meantime, they may not have all their doctrine right, perhaps none of us do. They may not, but they all belong, they all confess Jesus as Lord, therefore they are part of the universal church. Okay, so Matthew 16 talks about the whole church throughout history. Then in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes. That was like the, the birthday of the church. And it shows what the DNA of the church is. When you're born, all your DNA is there, isn't it? The church was born on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit comes. The new people of God are formed. The renewed Israel who believe in Israel's Messiah. So, when we celebrate Pentecost, it's happy birthday to the church, okay? The Holy Spirit came, we celebrate that, but we celebrate, it's the church's birthday. Now, what were the spiritual characteristics, the DNA of this renewed people of God, the church that Jesus is now building? Well, it says they were a devoted people. They devoted themselves. What do you think the word devoted means? Let's have a few definitions. Quick. Devoted. I mean, you've read it many times. Does it say devoted? In the... Focused attention. Fun? Focused attention. Brilliant. Committed, yes. Actually, it's a very rich Greek word that's used in a number of ways. I checked this out in my Greek dictionary, and it used in a different number of ways. So it means be faithful to, like to a close friend, is one of the examples. Okay? Attached to, be faithful to, like to a close friend. They devoted themselves. That's how they were. That's the sort of community they were. It also meant they are always available to help. The word is used in the Gospels. Remember when Jesus was preaching? Some of you may remember this. And there was such a big crowd, he got into a boat and went in. It says that boat was devoted to him. It was available for him to use. It was always, always there, ready for Jesus to step into when the crowds came. Avail always available, it meant. It meant to be busily engaged in. Like, I hope, when you go to work, you know? You get busily engaged in what you're doing. It meant to persevere or keep on going. It meant that as well. Like climbing a mountain. I don't know how many of you climb mountains. Silla and I had just been on holiday and we had to go up this particular steep bit. And you, you know, 
wouldn't it be much good to give up halfway? We kept on going. That's what devoted, but we were devoted to it. And also it meant spend much time in. That's what the word meant in, in the original language. So what were they devoted to? Firstly, they were devoted to teaching from the apostles. They had a relationship with those apostles and, and were devoted to their teaching. It's not just a nice little talk. It's not just, oh, these are a few good ideas. It is a body of truth which the apostles taught, which we now have in our New Testament and in the Old Testament because they, that was the Bible they had. Remember the New Testament hadn't been written, so when they talked about the scriptures, they talked about the Old Testament. They had this body of truth which they were devoted to. Is that you? So important, you know. Truth forms our thinking. Thinking is to form our behavior. No good just telling people to behave. You give them truth. They were also devoted to fellowship. Or, again, a very strong Greek word, koinonia. It was used in many ways. It meant partnership. If you're married, in Greek, they'd have said you're in a koinonia of life. You're close. We have the koinonia, it says, of the Holy Spirit. Fellowship of the Holy Spirit. They were devoted to community. Not just attending a meeting. In fact, the Bible never says go to church. The Bible says the church comes together. Because you're in the community all the time. You aren't just in church on Sundays. You are church. Get that? You're in church all the time. Because you are the church. It's the people of God. It's not even just the people. Some people say the church is not the building. It's the people in the building. Not even the people in the building. It's the whole, it's what we are the whole time. The community of God. And they were devoted to that. And they shared things so there weren't any poor people there. Let us think of ways, Paul, uh, the writer to Hebrews says, to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So, you know, don't, don't neglect it. Don't neglect coming together. Now, I'm preaching that to the wrong people, aren't I? Because you're all here. But it says... <laughs> Don't neglect coming together. And they were devoted to breaking bread. Now, there are, 
in this section are the two what we called sacraments or holy things of the church. What were they? Baptism. It says those who believed, verse 41, were baptised. And that's how you start the Christian life. And if people, anyone here hasn't yet committed themselves through baptism to Jesus, do speak to Hudson or, or someone and get baptised. And to meeting and to, and to having fellowship together through the breaking of bread. Remembering Jesus. That's how you go on in the Christian life. You continue as part of the church and the expression of that, which we don't give enough priority to, in our sort of evangelical churches, often we don't give enough priority to this. Well, we do it sometimes. They devoted themselves to it. When I first went to Russia and met the Christians there, I remember going on one Sunday and the church was much fuller than it had been the last time. I said, wow, you've grown. Oh, they said, no. We break bread on this Sunday, so of course no one wants to miss that. Do you ever think like that? They were devoted. And to prayer, expressing their dependence on God. Oh, just to say, breaking of bread, it's a strange word in... The Greek means have a meal together, actually. That's what breaking of bread means. You know, if I went to your, you know, next Sunday after the service, we're going to break bread together. You understand? That was the ordinary word. And so in the, the translations, the New Living Translation that I read said having meals together that involved the breaking of bread or the Lord's Supper. That actually is right. Because as part of a meal together, they always broke bread, passed wine and wine, and did that together. We do that sometimes in our community group. Have a meal together and break bread as part of that. And we do it in the church, but we don't often have meals together as well. It's okay, as long as we do it. And to prayer. And there are other characteristics of the church here. Excuse me, I'm going. Hudson's given me permission. I'll stop in, in time for you to get your children. And he said, you know, either do something afterwards. Well, I'm, I'm carrying on preaching. Is that all right, mate? Okay. Other characteristics. Signs and wonders. The living demonstration of the Holy Spirit. That's another characteristic. Sharing possessions, ensuring the needs of everybody were met. Worshipping and praising God and expecting regular conversions of people being saved. You understand? That was the church. Those are the characteristics of the church. Devoted to certain things, practicing other things. That's what the church would be. At the moment, we've sort of, the last year or so, we've been concerned with bringing everyone together post-pandemic. We want to lift up our eyes now and say, and let's expect people being saved to be added regularly and make that our prayer. Don't make our prayers all inward, 
make it outward as well. Okay? That's the church. And this is the local church. They were in Jerusalem. You don't just belong to the universal church. Sometimes I meet Christians who say, well, I'm part of the whole church of God. And my fellowship, I don't ever go to a local community of the people because my fellowship is with any Christian I may ever meet. Yeah, well, you do have fellowship with any Christian you ever meet. But you can't be discipled there. You can't be disciplined there. You can't be corrected there. You can't be helped to grow there. You do that when you're in a local church, a community of God's people in a local place. Okay? So, that's a local church. And they always were in the New Testament, both. And then the diversity and purpose of the church, Ephesians chapter 2. He gives a summary of the, Paul gives a summary of the purpose of God for his church. Firstly, all nations are one family through Christ. And it's very important that every local church, where there are different nations in that community, that they represent that. Well, I think you know that, and we're doing it, I think. Secondly, they are built on a foundation laid by apostles and prophets. As I travel around the world, what I've been doing for the last nearly 30 years is laying the foundation in, every, in the local churches I go to. That's what I've been doing. I haven't taught it here for decades probably. But I've got a whole load of teaching on what is the foundation of a local church. Because that's important. Thirdly, Jesus Christ is the centre of it all. And everything honours him. He's the centre. Leaders are not the centre. You're not the centre. So often people say to me, yeah, but I'm not sure that church meets my needs anymore. Never intended to. <laughs> Jesus is the centre. You come here to, you're here to worship him, to live for him, to express his love to others. And in that, needs are met. But that's not the motivation. And the church is the temple where God lives by spirit. Gosh, that's important, isn't it? Where does God live today? Well, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. But that's not all it says. When we gather together, God is here by his spirit. Wouldn't want to miss that, would you? And the church is to demonstrate the wisdom of God, bringing all nations and tribes together in peace. So it says in Ephesians chapter 3, God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Wow. That's pretty big, isn't it? Bringing the nations together, reconciled. You know, I often have to go to places where 
two countries are at war with each other or hate each other and bring the help the church to demonstrate the peace of God where each other are embraced in Jesus that's powerful I could give you lots of examples but I won't finish on time if I do that so the purpose of each local church is massive and the Bible says Christ loved the church now if he loves the church so should we Christ loved the church you might say yeah but there's lots of problems in the church oh I know that someone once said if you if you find a perfect church don't join it because it won't be perfect anymore okay of course this thing's you know we're all on a journey aren't we so when the, the, the original apostles were told to go and make disciples of every nation how did they do that they did it by planting churches because it's part of, as part of a body of believers, we can grow in discipleship, as was the way the original 12. Jesus didn't do one-on-one -on -one discipling with his 12. He did it together. So, if I say church to you now, what do, you, what do I mean? Body of people, the people of God, yes. And it has two ways of expressing itself. What are they? Universal church and the local church. Now, if I say church to the devil, he understands, he knows the Bible. It says, all the powers of hell will not overcome it. Amen. When I say church to the devil, it means that he's going to be overcome. When I say church to God, he says, the bride for my son. My people. My treasured possession. Wow. Now, I'm going to do something as we conclude. I'm going to get to say part of the creed together. Now, our churches don't say the creed very often. It was a statement of faith drawn up by the early church to preserve them from wrong doctrine. It was done at the Council of Nicaea, hence called the, Council, the Nicene Creed. And it's longer than I'm going to read. And it talks about we believe in the holy, apostolic, and Catholic church. Now, what does that mean? Well, the problem with the word Catholic is the Greek word Catholicos, which simply meant universal. <laughs> doesn't mean all are Roman Catholics. Not that I'm criticizing them. But that's not the whole church. It's the whole church. The Catholic church. 
And the creed uses that expression, so I'd better explain it in case you thought I meant something else. Okay? But I just think it's good sometimes to speak. I wish we had time to say the whole creed together this morning, but we haven't. But I'm just going to do the last paragraph of the creed for us to say it together to demonstrate what we believe in. Is that all right? Will you do that? Have we got got the words up, please? Okay. This is the last paragraph. And I'll say one, two, three, and let's read it boldly together, shall we? One, two, three. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead, that's our future hope, and the life of the world to come. Amen? We believe these things. This is part of the church's heritage. This is devoted to apostles' doctrine. Like they were. I hope you understand what the church is now. And I hope I've justified Hudson asking me to teach on this subject. Let's just pray. Father, thank you for your church. Lord, I align myself with Jesus and say, he loves the church, I love the church too. I love the people of God. I love the local gathering of the people of God. I love it, Lord. Help us to be devoted in the way the New Testament was. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, a bigger, amen. listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.